Hello and welcome back to Authentic One Air with Bruce Alexander. I am your host, Bruce Alexander. Today, my very favorite wildcrafter and woman of the woods, Lorianne Wild, is in the studio. And I'm really excited to get caught up with an old friend after today's reflection. Take a moment to look back over the relationships you have had in your life, platonic and romantic, friendly and family. Is there one of those connections that sticks out as the one that got away? A possibly transformative bond that ended before its time. I'm reflecting on this personally because so many of the truly special people I've met throughout my life scared me. I felt small, small in awe of what I thought made them more special than me. Although I know now that more special is not a real thing. Back then, before I started accepting my authentic self, fueled by that feeling of inadequacy that I now equate with fear of not being enough, I would pretend to be something or someone that I wasn't. Does that mean I never had a successful relationship before I started to peel back those layers of insincerity? There is something to be said for luck and being a really good liar, but also the capacity of forgiveness in others' hearts when faced with honesty and vulnerability. For those reasons, a couple of my most treasured relationships survived. But how many of those amazing people would still be in my life if I had told them I was pretending versus them seeing through the veil of lies on their own and choosing not to waste their time on a non-existent idea of a person. I'm taking the time to briefly grieve those aborted relationships because grieving is an important part of the healing process. However, more importantly, I'm newly trying to forgive the me of the past for being scared. I'm trying to find grace for that version of myself. I'm vastly different now, but that was still me. If I can't have grace for me throughout time, I am making the same mistakes in parenting myself that created the guilt and shame that guided me to those places in the first place. The relationship I'm grieving at this moment is two guys named Greg and Larry. They were both great and I hung out with them in college, but they left me behind while I kept partying and making more mistakes because I was terrified to ask for help. They were fun and funny, but focused on success. School was the top priority at school while I was imploding and putting on what I thought was a brave face. I wanna hear what relationships you have lost and what you are doing now to stop losing special people because you are afraid to show up as yourself. Go to at Authentic Identity Management on Instagram, Threads, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and comment on the episode 21 reflection post with your own experience. Or you can make a post of your own using the hashtag Authentic Reflections and tag at Authentic Identity Management. If you would like me to reach out and set up a free 30-minute consultation to find out if I can help you start being more authentic in your relationships, comment connection, and I will take the lead. If you love the space we are creating or want to help advance my mission of making the world a safer place for authenticity, here are a couple ways you can support the show. If you look, oh, I already said that part. <laughs> Leave a review and tell me what you think is great, needs work, or would like to see more of in the show. Follow the show on your favorite podcast platform or all the platforms you use and use that share function. Send an episode of this show to someone you care about or post about it in your social media feeds or in your stories. These are all free ways to promote the authentic mission. If you aren't comfortable being a spokesperson for authenticity, you can be a financial backer of the authentic mission by going to Patreon and searching Authentic on Air with Bruce Alexander and signing up for a membership. I'm dedicated to the work of this mission long-term, but I would love your help in more quickly making the world a safer place to show up as yourself. <clears throat> there is no possible way my guest today can know what an incredibly huge role she played in the development of everything I love about my life. Lori Ann Wilde is the resident nature program coordinator and facilitator of the Prairie Wood Forest School classes at o the Oklahoma nonprofit St. Francis of the Woods. With a college degree in secondary education, 
a combined 13 years as an outdoor camp counselor, certification as a positive discipline parent educator, and years of experience as a nature play educator. Her way with children largely influenced the standard of communication with my children I hold to this day. What isn't listed on her bio, though, is what has been so impactful in my life. Lorianne is a creator of safe spaces and a builder of community. Kate and I moved to Oklahoma City, leaving everything and everyone we held dear behind. A five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a brand new baby in tow became my wife's only company as I almost immediately started the Fire Academy and had my life completely consumed with the job. And Kate had no community, no support, and very full hands. Two weeks after I disappeared into my work, a trip to the park planted the seed that would change everything. As would become the norm, Kate was braving a trip to the local playground solo when, as children often do, they acted as an icebreaker in which a very kind and gentle soul reached out to a mother and wife who was, maybe not so obviously, on the verge of a breakdown. <clears throat> Neither Kate or I compre comprehended the level of isolation I signed us up for when I took the job. I wasn't clear on the level of sacrifice I was asking for my partner when I started out, but almost immediately the position asked everything of me that I had to give or I would be put out and it was all for nothing. So on nights or weekends for almost eight months when I had anything left to give from the day I had put in into exercise or study, there was more exercise or study so I didn't fall behind. Outside of our regular visits with her mom, I had left my wife in complete and utter loneliness. The kind and gentle soul didn't just reach out with a, hi, how you doing? She put her whole self out there and offered up that she homeschooled and attended a co-op that her children that her children were in and they were similar ages to ours. An invitation to a Facebook group was exchanged and something started. Not only parenting three children at various stages of early development, but keeping a home, acting as a house chef, and my dietitian and physical therapist nursing my body to survive the extremes it would be pushed to. Not surprisingly, all that left Kate with no energy to socialize. It would be almost eight months before life normalized enough for my wife to take the kids to the first homeschool co-op event, and I'd follow two weeks later. What I remember finding in those early days was a place of acceptance, exploration for my children, and like-minded people who cared about raising their children, not through fear and guilt, but varying interpretations of love and intention. I would find out much later that not only did Lori, not only did Lori Ann introduce us to the group, but she actually had created it. Almost 10 years later, I can say that people came and went, spaces changed, and eventually Lori Ann left to build something new. And without her vision, the beginning of the end was near. But after this long, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but after this long, I'm oh, sorry, but after this long, every single deep friendship I currently maintain, outside of my best friend from the fire department, is rooted in what Lorianne created. Without that invite, I don't know if I sit here in the place of love and acceptance I am currently in. Without the guiding goodness she infused into the space she created, I may not have found the first place I ever felt accepted without putting on a show. I want to start the show by telling her deeply from my heart, thank you. Welcome to the show, Lorianne. Thank you. That's a great uh, welcome. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and I mean every word of it. You really did change everything for us. Yeah. Until we came down here, I've I've had friends that come and go, but none of them were ever anything like the friends I made in the group that you created. Mm. So, before we get too deep into who like the things that you do spiritually, tell me a little bit about who you are. Um, what you spend your the majority of your time doing, and why you think I invited you here? 
Yeah, great questions. Um, I am a mother, but so feels like a big part of my life, my, my days and nights. Uh, my kids are 11 and 13 now, so I know they're similar to your oldest too, but um, totally new stage of parenting, I think. Um, at St. Francis of the Woods, I'm a resident there, so I do live in intentional community with other people who've made that same choice, who interact with the mission of St. Francis in various ways. My thing is Prairie Wood Forest School, connecting to the land. Uh, so I have the classes themselves, but I've also got times that I'm tending the garden and the wild plants as well, with the intention of how am I creating a space that the kids will come and get these nature immersed experiences sometimes their families, depending on the class they're in, or if it's a homeschool co-op, and uh, really cultivating that. So it was actually special for me to hear you framing some of when we met um, as a space creation uh, in that context, because I don't know how aware I was of it at that point in my life, but now that's very overtly like what I see myself as bringing into the world and into the Prairie Wood Forest School and the St. Francis community is creating the space where Connection can happen, community can grow, learning can happen, um, finding uh, confidence in spending time in the wilderness instead of fear, like all of those things that can happen there. But I really see my role as just facilitating the environment for that to happen uh, and then letting, in, in this case, nature be the teacher. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you're, you found a way to capitalize off that thing that, I mean, it seemed pretty clear to me, at least a couple of years in, that you were definitely strong at creating those those spaces that help people be able to grow. So I'm glad you're doing it intentionally now. That's amazing. Um, like I, I really want to not talk too much today because I've already talked a lot and I want to set the stage and get out of the way for you to tell your story. But just one of my like stock questions I always love to ask is how do you define authenticity? Hmm. Yeah, I thought about that simply because it was the name of your podcast and like, oh, what would, what would that conversation be about and I think I just settled on for me authenticity is when my my expression in the world or the way that I'm talking to people and the things that I'm doing with my time are in alignment with what's going on inside of me so that could be living in alignment with my values but it's also uh, I think something that for the past few years I've really been on a path is having a connection with myself so that I know what that is so yeah. that when uh, someone asks me how I feel or when I make a decision about how I'm going to spend money or time or uh, make a purchase, you know, whatever it is, like all the different areas of my life, I want that to be in alignment with what is inside me. And so how do I feel right now? I don't always know that um, yeah. as parents, sometimes that's part of it. I think in our culture, we get that disconnection. Uh, so much of, of just my past experiences before becoming an adult brought me to a place of maybe disconnection from some of that. And so a lot of my journey of authenticity is, okay, how do I feel right now? And what needs do I have right now? And what are my values that might apply to the situation? So being authentic requires me to know those things in order to be able to um, live in that way. I completely agree. And if it's not know them explicitly, it's know that you don't know them and that you're still yeah. exploring that. I think so. I, I don't know is, has become one of my go-to sentences because I at this point, realize that that's okay. Sometimes that is the most, most authentic thing, whether I don't know how I feel or I don't know what I want to do in this situation. And that might mean I move through life a lot slower because I'm going to wait until I do know before I proceed with something. Yeah, it's taken me almost 40 years to get used to really saying I don't know and, I don't know, loving loving that, like knowing yeah. that it's okay to not know. Yeah, and talk about creating space. It gives other people 
the opportunity to realize, oh, it's okay. Someone just said, I don't know, and didn't immediately try and, and clarify or fix anything. Yeah, like, it's okay to not know. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. It, it's become one of the most confident things I say. And that's mm. really, that's really funny because yeah. it's so often thought to be like a, a sign of unsurety to not sure. know. But, you know, especially through the show, I've heard a lot of people say like, I don't know exactly this or that. Yeah. And I've seen that that is, it's a sign of confidence to be able to, to express that to others. Mm, yeah. Such a part of being authentic is not feeling the need to be anything or to know anything that you just don't know. Exactly. Totally agree. So you said that some of the things that, some of the experiences that you had in becoming an adult, can you like kind of highlight what some of those things are? Because I honestly don't know anything about your childhood, where oh, you grew yeah. up or anything. Yeah. Um. So I lived in Chicago until I was 10 and did not have a lot of nature connected experiences there. Our, my memory anyway of our school grounds was 12 foot high barbed wire fences around a blacktop, you know, yeah. so you get to go outside, you've still got the sky above you and maybe you hear a bird, I don't know, but um, definitely more of a concrete jungle kind of thing. Um, but I did spend my summers on my grandparents' farm. They had acreage in Georgia and I remember noticing the difference, how free I was able to be on those summer trips where, you know, we have our big old egg breakfast from the eggs my grandparents just got from their chickens. And then we kind of kick, get kicked out for the rest of the day yeah. and, uh, you know, we'll ring, we'll call for dinner. Um, and so there was a lot more freedom there than what I usually experienced. Uh, when I was 10, we moved to Arkansas and it was for my dad's job. I really liked it. It was a smaller town and more playground opportunities. I was still in elementary school. Um, so I I was someone who did pretty well in school. Like I am really good at figuring out how to do what the teacher wants, right? Mm -hmm. And so it that felt like a real strength for most of my young adult life, getting good grades and being able to meet a new professor in college and know exactly what kind of things to study for their test. You know, how is it going to be framed? I can just pick that up really easily. But the flip side is that I became better at knowing what other people wanted from me than what I wanted for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot about that in connection to the kind of education that I do now and how it's non-traditional. My students don't have to wait until bathroom time to go to the bathroom. And so they still, they stay connected to their own body's cues for whatever needs to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, we have bio breaks where we say, okay, everyone, we're gonna have a bio break. Just take a quick moment, check in. Did you forget bug spray? Here's some bug spray. Do you need the restroom? Do you need to wash your hands? Do you need to drink some water? What is your body telling you right now that you can just meet that need real quick before we head off on the hike away from these facilities or something like that. But I think it's really, it goes beyond learning how to, be in the wilderness in a safe way for your body to learning how to be in your body at all times and not lose that connection because you have someone else. So there's those pieces of schooling that I think um, pushed me towards disconnection just simply out of, I mean, I've taught in a public school, you know, you have 30 kids each hour, you're trying to do your best, you're trying to meet everyone's needs. It's just a lot. And there's a lot going on where you know, you have to eat lunch, even if your lunch time gets assigned at 10.30 a.m. Right. Or if you've been on the bus since 6 a.m. and your class doesn't have lunch until 1 p.m., you're a little bit needing to disconnect from what your body's telling you just in order to survive in that setting. And so I think that plays a part in, in my journey, I'm really wanting to please the adults around me and sometimes realizing that sometimes that meant not staying too in tune with what I actually wanted. Um, same thing with, you know, choosing a paper topic or something. It was always based on what 
going to make this person happy and what are they going to enjoy? So I think there was that. Um, going into college, I was still like doing well in school academically, whatever. Um, I never thought of myself as like a super smart person, but I was really good at studying and again, mm-hmm. at figuring out which things to study so I don't just have to um, overdo it or anything. But uh, so I enjoyed school all the way through. I enjoyed college. Um, wish I had maybe dug more into just the college experience. Um, I maybe was on the other end of the spectrum of what you described where I was like, all study, all work, all, you know, kind of shunning the social opportunities because they might have been scary. And that was something outside of what I was comfortable with or what I like knew, you know, I'm not real extroverted. And so I didn't really know how to play that game or something. And so um, had friends and, and made friends, but maybe maybe missed out on some of the deeper connections that I would, yeah, it'd be cool to rewind and do that. But for the most part, I think it was just, I was moving through life in a way that was centered around what do other people want from me and didn't realize that I could know those things and know what I wanted for me and like find an in-between like what I have now. I feel like incredibly lucky that my job is like doing the thing that brings me the most joy and energizes me and uh, bringing community and nature connection and uh, concept development opportunities for all of these families. Um, it just intersects really nicely. Uh, I, I can honestly say that I've never known anyone quite like you. Like you, like I would define you as a kind of a shy person, but at the same time, I've never had any doubts that in the time I've known you, that you know who you are mm. and that you don't feel like a need to tell people who you are. You just are that person. Like when did that shift come for you from being so concerned with uh, what other people thought about you to being contented with who you are and accepting that some will accept you and some won't? Sure. I, I remember some early moments, but I think there's another part that's just aging and being tired of <laughs> trying to maintain that. Um, I do. The, the memory I thought of when you started asking that was that when I worked at Camp Aldersgate, it's a camp in Little Rock that hosts med camps every summer. So mm-hmm. there's a whole week where all the campers have cancer or there's a whole week where all the campers use wheelchairs and have spina bifida or something like that. And so I think it helped me get outside of myself in a healthy way, like realize that there's room between the extremities of whatever other people want from me, that's who I am versus, um, you know, kind of a selfish, like everything's all about me. It was this beautiful in between, like the best thing I could give those campers is enjoying myself at camp. And so figuring out which activities I like, I was really into the ropes course. So I got to work the ropes course and I'm cheering kids on, I'm, I'm showing them it's not scary. And they're having this wonderful time as a result. So it was a really beautiful example of the fact that when you're pursuing the things that that bring joy to your life or, or nourishment of some sort um, can also be that for someone else. And, mm-hmm. and so that was a beautiful look at that. Um, I remember uh, that when I was, well, where was I going with that actually? <laughs> I was remembering this moment of we were, we were, we had these supplies, maybe it was a rainy day or something. So we're gonna do something a little bit different than normal. Um, what are we going to come up with so the kids can still have a fun afternoon, even if it's raining or whatever? And um, I know I think maybe I just had this early hint of the fact that that I could just be myself. Maybe we were just being goofy, you know. We had it. Oh, we thought we were going to do beads, and we can't find the beads and whatever. And so it's one of those moments where it feels a bit like a failure. We we weren't able to pull off the activity we thought, but in the process of just kind of being silly about it and goofing off and everything that ended up being like the, you know, the fun memory from the week or whatever is yeah. that day that it rained. We didn't get to do the, the big exciting ropes course adventure. We, we couldn't even find the beading supplies. We just like 
sat around and, and goofed off and joked and like made personal connections and like how lovely you know yeah, it, it's not always very smart yeah yeah it's not even that I have to like put on authenticity it's the thing that happens when you like step back and it, it just happens anyway mm-hmm. um but yeah I think in the ensuing years between different experiences and um just I don't know getting tired of, of trying to put on anything other than who I actually am and yeah Every once in a while, that getting interwoven with experiences where people affirm that, like, no, I, I, I like you messy, you know, I like yeah. you the way you are. I don't need you to change. That's, uh, I work with parents a lot, and so, and and it tends to be younger parents because once the kids get older, you know, they mm-hmm. they can drop off. But when the kid's two years old, the mom's coming to, or the dad's coming, or the uncle or the grandpa, or whoever it is, and so we have these family community opportunities for people to make those connections. And they don't need me to show up with it all together because their life doesn't feel all together. They need to see that like it can be kind of messy. Uh, The first forest school class I ever ran, my son, who's now 11, was three. And he sat on my lap and cried like most of (laughs) circle time. I'm sitting there with my story trying to be, you know, like little Mr. Rogers or something and really connect with the kids and bring in the story that, you know, is gonna help them think about the animals and we're gonna pretend to be the animals all these things and he's just losing it on my lap and of course I'm insecure it's my first one and um I'm feeling nervous about it but after the fact I remember one of the parents telling me how impactful it was for her to see someone else doing the thing that happens a hundred times a day she had young kids at home too the ones she brought to class and 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 just saying it could just kind of be okay. Like this is other people's experience too. I'm not isolated and alone in my days looking like that sometimes. Um, she was able to see that I just kind of went with it, you know, it yeah. was it's okay, you don't have to fix your kid and and take away their bad feelings and make them happy all the time. Like we just kind of are in it together and you know, the classes have that community of people seeing that with other people and realizing, wow, I can I can exhale a little bit. It's okay if my kid loses it at an opportune moment. It can be okay. So yeah, I definitely identify with the the being tired of of trying to do what you are you know, trying to fit into so many different like things. Whenever like I told you the first place I found that acceptance was in your group and I was coming off of ship almost every time that we came. So I was always exhausted. So I was too tired to put up a front. And people were still nice to me and people still accepted me and people like actually liked having conversation with me. And I was like, oh. You know, it was kind of through attrition that I found out that it's okay to like be genuine and there are going to be people who like that. Yeah. Not everybody's going to like, mm. you know, nope, like very few people actually like me when I was faking it. So mm. it turned out that it was like through this exhaustion, I found community. Mm. So do I want to be that exhausted ever again? Right. No. <laughs> it serves its purpose. But <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely appreciate that about the ability to, you know, just let go because you're tired. Yeah. You just work hard enough and that, that gets it to you. Um, so do you think it's your love of nature and the wilderness that like kind of feeds your comfort and not trying to impress others? Hmm. That's a big question. I don't know if I've ever thought of it exactly that way. Um, I definitely feel the most utter acceptance for who I am when I'm like laying out in the woods on the dirt and (laughs) insects are crawling on me they don't care I'm just another rock or whatever I'm just like part of something and I I think I did find belonging in nature before I found it with humans Mm -hmm. I think I just 
I would, you know, hug a tree when I was sad and I'm crying and, and I'm, you know, at an earlier stage in my growth where I'm still maybe insecure about bringing that to a friend. Oh, I don't want them to think I'm too much. I don't want to fall apart on them. They're probably having a hard time. Do I need to like hold it together? But like the tree's not going to care. Right. Right. So I go and I hug the tree and I'm crying and I, um, maybe there's these branches that I climb up into and it feels like I'm being held. And it just felt like, like, you know, you're not going to be judged by a tree, right? No one's ever (laughs) gotten yelled at by a tree. And so as silly as that is, maybe that was like my first place where I felt like I could be at home. I know when I was a kid and I moved to Arkansas, our yard had four trees in it. There were four kids in my family. And so we each had our tree and the country was mine. And I just climb up there and I'd read or I'd stare at the clouds or I'd just kind of exhale the day. No one was going to come at me with any needs or expectations or demands. I was, I just could just be. And so I do think that that probably was part of my bridge into that. I, Funnily enough, I didn't grow up thinking of myself as an outdoorsy person or anything like that. My Girl Scout troop went camping a lot. Um, In college, I got to go on some like outdoorsy trips with the rec center, but it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I'm going to do outdoor education because I'm a nature person or something like that. Um, But it's sort of like it found me and and brought me back. Um, Working at the summer camp always reminded me of growing up with my grandparents. And there had been a time when I would visit my grandparents, maybe it was like a preteen that I thought, oh, one day I'm going to, I'm going to open a camp uh, to get kids out of cities and into the country. Cause I remembered those days of living in Chicago, but then visiting the country, visiting the farm, you know, animals and and dirt. And we had our Georgia pants, you know, the ones that you were allowed to get covered in the orange clay, just like Oklahoma. And it was just such a different experience that I wanted more people to have that. So I thought of it a little bit. Right. I, I, I mean, well, I think I we're turning into that. <laughs> I, I think that you you do it on a daily basis, but do you have that camp to give people that experience yet? Or is that something you still want to do? Yeah, it's funny. I am really loving what's happening. Um, it's happening sort of organically, not necessarily if I took a class on how to run a forest school business, like what what it would have suggested. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I guess I know my limits. I can I can offer this. And then as I offer that, people say, well, what about this? And I think, oh, no, no, no. And then a year later, you know, that's the next thing. So we added the homeschool co-ops and we added another homeschool co-op. And so now we've got five different classes that meet four different days a week. And it feels like a really good balance because I do have other responsibilities at St. Francis. And we are kind of exploring that line of, of living gently with the land. And so not wanting to overburden it, you know, cause erosion or anything. It's great to give the kids the opportunity to slide down the mud embankment, but at what point is it switching over from a reciprocal kind of relationship to something where we're causing harm? And so, um, yeah, maybe, maybe it, maybe camp is either in the future or just a new like evolution of what's happening right now. Yeah. Um, I think I find that so interesting to add that, that other thoughtful layer of existing authentically and that's you know mm-hmm. that's you being in the wilderness space and like respecting the land and thinking about like what long-term effects you're having on it that's not something i think about mm. i mean i'm also almost never outside so <laughs> it's not that i don't love it for you like being outside doesn't make me feel the most myself mm-hmm. but for you i, I love that mm. and i love that you are so mindful in the in the space that makes you feel so comfortable of taking care of it. Yeah, I think nature also is a good teacher for me because I tend to be kind of an extreme person and nature's just like the big mess in the middle. So 
So when I was in college, I got really into like the idea of ethical purchasing practices and, you know, shopping fair trade and things. So I'm not having this negative impact on workers or on the environment and things, but it came, it became this really overblown extreme thing that I couldn't keep up with out of this, like, I can't do harm in this world. I have to make the perfect, the right choice at every, every single decision that I make. Um, the best example being when I was student teaching, uh, I needed to give the students some handouts and I didn't own a stapler and I didn't want to buy a stapler because I couldn't find a fair trade like certified stapler. I'm looking at all the stores. I go to all the thrift stores thinking, you know, that's a great option. Just can't find a stapler that month and, and for whatever reason. And so finally having to be like, okay, like I'm just going to have to buy a stapler. You know, I think I even considered like punching little holes and like stitching the corner of, you know, 30 students times six courses, like, and just being like, yeah, I don't think this is what like living authentically and in accordance with my values is supposed to be doing to me. But then, so, so I had a lot of that kind of thing just in my head or whatever. Um, but now I think I can focus on practicing reciprocity. So like, yes, I'm harvesting and taking leaves from this plant, and I'm offering my food scraps back as compost, or I'm sowing wildflower seeds to increase the populations maybe of some native plants that are having troubles with, you know, with uh, keeping populations to yeah. perpetuate their survival. And so I can do these things that are in alignment with my values, that practice kindness with the land, and I don't have to like just beat myself up about every time that I do something that wasn't as perfectly as ideal as like it may be technically possible to do. So whenever you were like having that kind of mini identity crisis mm -hmm. about not being able to keep up with that, you know, the, the fair trade purchasing, like how did you handle that? How did, like what was your response to that feeling? How did you get through it? How did you end up in, you know, a, a better headspace today? Yeah, um, I think for a good long while, it was pretty rough, actually. Like, I did a lot of beating myself up. I did a lot of doing without, like, to an extreme level where I just, you know, if, if I need new pants and I'm not having luck thrifting or whatever, I'm just, like, going to wear these ratty pants for, you know, in perpetuity until somehow magically something pops into my life. Um, I think it's another one of those getting tired when I had kids, all of a sudden it was like, yeah, it's really important to meet their needs right now, yeah. regardless of whether I'm doing it perfectly. And, you know, if I have to order the thing off a website and it's getting shipped to me and that's bad on carbon, like it's kind of important they have the thing anyway. So I'm just going to do it. So some of it, I think I, you know, maybe went to the extreme of just, I just can't live the way I want to live right now. Um, I did live in China when they were little. And so some of these things were actually easier because this is like, I don't know. The, the social structure is just set up a little bit better. Like, for example, if my um, toaster oven died in China, I didn't throw it out. I took it to the mechanic that's on like every corner and mm -hmm. you pay him 50 cents and he fixes it. And so some things just got a little easier that way. But um, I think a lot of it was just like, maybe I do have to compromise on this particular desire because I can't like, like where I can do without, I'm not going to make them do without if it's something, you know, important. And so some of it was that, but I think, then I was able to swing back into finding this balance. I think parenting did that for me in a lot of ways, just sort of like internal ethics wise or whatever of like you do your best and you you have these values and you work towards them, but it doesn't have to be you get it right every time. Um, and now at Forest School, that's our, our motto or we always say our only rule is to practice kindness. And the rule is not be kind and some like expectation of you're going to get it perfectly right every time. Sometimes you're going to hurt the other kid's feelings we're going to repair that rupture. Um, sometimes you're going to throw the orange peel into the chicken coop before you find out oranges aren't good for chickens. 
we're going to try again next time. And in the future, you'll probably remember, mm -hmm. um, you know, we did have a erosion problem where we had a fun mudslide and it was the best thing ever. And then we realized, wow, that's a lot of trees whose roots are now exposed. What are we going to do to kind of repair that? And then what are we going to, where are we going to find to move that to where we can have the same fun without causing the harm? And so it's like a continual process of learning and growth. And I think that's a place I've been able to settle into like over the last decade, especially of being like, it's not that I, I can't ever make a mistake. It's not that I have to just throw my values out the window. Um, but maybe I just learn like one new thing at a time, figure out how to implement that one and then keep going from there. Not trying. So were the same kids who had been part of the mudslide, were they part of that the the fix for that? Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Um, especially in our class that's for nine to fifteen year olds, Wild Wonders is yeah. um we've shifted it to the nine to fifteen year olds oh, now. Yeah, so special. Um they do so much of their own like decision-making around what's happening, even if it is like an interpersonal conflict, which tend to be the ones that are the hardest for me. I don't want to see a kid, you know, have their feelings hurt. I want them to go home feeling loved and connected and like, I really belong in this world. And so it's so hard for me if there's some teasing or some, you know, picking on or something like that. But I've been able to see that they're really good at, at coming up with how to make those repairs. And that if they come up with it, whether it's the mudslide erosion or a kid's feelings, it's going to stick. It's not going to just be the thing they do when I'm looking. It's yeah. going to be like internalized. And so um, that class in particular, where their parents aren't there, they're on this new journey of independence. We've got some teens who serve as teen mentors. And so they've got some extra role models to look up to who are operating in this way. And they get to decide what are we going to do this season? What project are we going to do to improve wildlife habitat? And um, what what are we going to do next time that happens? Let's have a community meeting and discuss how that was hurtful for this person. And what are we going to do instead? And um, it's it's really beautiful. It really makes me think humans, we're going to be okay. <laughs> like these kids, if they can figure it out, one day they'll be in charge. Yeah, I love that they're getting a chance to, to practice healthy conflict, mm -hmm. healthy conflict resolution, and also healthy decision making. Like that's mm -hmm. that's something I didn't get until, totally. well, healthy until like in my 30s. <laughs> Yeah. I got decision making all dumped on me in college whenever I finally left my, you know, pretty authoritarian parents. And, mm -hmm. you know, I then had to make decisions for myself and I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So they're already getting, you know, exposure to that. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah. So, I had to read a lot of books to get to that point. And they're just like playing with chickens and figuring it out, you know. <laughs> that, that's so funny. Like I was I was thinking earlier today about um you know, some of the skills that I have that I've often been like, oh, you know, whatever, that's that's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But you just said, like, I had to read a lot of books to get to them playing with chickens. It's like, but honestly, it's working. Like, mm -hmm. you know, getting to that point, you put in a lot of work and you, you should be, like, happy that mm -hmm. the result is them playing in the, you know, in the chicken coops and then being able to resolve the issues. It's a really big thing that you've done and been able to create. And so I'm going to kind of get into how it happened. At, so first off, tell us, you know, me and the audience, what St. Francis of the Woods is, how you became um, linked up with them, and then like what they had and what they have now. Oh, yeah. Um, so St. Francis of the Woods is a nonprofit retreat center in Coyle, Oklahoma. It was started 40 plus years ago as a place for people who were, I think they worded it, sojourners on any spiritual path would have a place to get away and 
um, find solitude and silence in nature. So that sounds very different than what my classes sound like, but it's really beautiful how in a lot of ways it's the same thing. And so they have retreat cabins that they've had since they were first founded. People can book a bed or book a cabin where they can, you know, people come out to have a spiritual prayer retreat. They just want to do nothing but pray all weekend. And we've got little uh, lanyards that say, you know, si- I'm in silence or whatever, so no one's bothering them. They can go on the trails. It's almost 600 acres, and so there's lots of room wow. to find your own space and just kind of commune with nature or or with whatever, you know, is meaningful to you. Um, other people come out and they have like a photography workshop and they're excited about learning this new skill or practicing. We've got beautiful sunrises and sunsets, and so there's that. So there's a lot of different ways that people can you know, what is retreat for you? What is retreat for this person? It it looks a lot of different ways. There's a community center, there's a library, there's a chapel. And so there's a lot of different spaces that might be the way that people intersect and like find retreat, find um, space for whatever it is that is going to be nourishing to them. So um, I first went to St. Francis of the Woods in 2018 and they were hosting a wild crafting walk. And it wasn't my first one, my first wild crafting walk, but I had not been out to that property before. I hadn't even heard of it. My friend told me about it and coordinated this for one of our homeschool groups. And so I went and visited and immediately fell in love with the land itself. It's right where the cross timbers and the prairie are intersecting, like everything that's beautiful about Oklahoma, all our biodiversity. You know, they've got birds that you usually only see east of there or usually only see west of there. And they're all living there because of this this habitat diversity. Um, They've been protecting it. They, They garden but don't spray. And that's been going on for quite a long time. They did a prairie restoration project, which helped bobwhite habitat and some other little creatures that, you know, don't have a lot of opportunity left when cities get built and things like that. Um, So it's really beautiful. They have a lot of ecology things going on as a result of that, of just really wanting to protect the land. The first time I walked on the trails, I was struck by how much like Arkansas they were, really moss covered. And you don't see that a lot in Oklahoma because it's Mm. usually so dry. And so just a really gorgeous place. People set foot on it and go on and on about just how nourishing it is to even be on that land. So I felt that way about it too, but it was about an hour from where I lived, which is not far from you. And um, just felt like a long drive, you know, and I had four school classes going on at parks around Oklahoma city that worked for me. It was 15 minutes drive from my house. Um, I could tell that the land there was more ideal for it in different ways. Um, but yeah, it wasn't something I was going to be up for uh, making the drive every day or anything. So um, I had, they they at the time had an art academy program. Uh, Coyle Public Schools, where it's located, don't meet on Fridays. It's one of those districts that just doesn't have the funding to keep the electricity on five days a week, I guess. And so they meet Mondays through Thursdays. And then Friday, parents are kind of left finding a different option. So they had an art program where they would have a guest artist stay in residence and um, have the kids come out and do some kind of cool art project. So we attended that sometimes. And then I started bringing classes from Oklahoma City out. We would do field trip days out there, usually working in the garden or helping plant native trees or something like that. And it was always really beautiful. And I noticed once someone went for their first time, they would come back, but it took a while to convince someone to go for their first time yeah. just because of the drive and stuff. Um, so when the pandemic hit and um, I had been working a couple of different things and they all really weren't going to be possible with the pandemic or at least the guidance right when things started and everything was uncertain. I had the openness to think about really what do I want for my life. I had always very specifically wanted to live on the land where I ran forest school because for me as as part of it being 
uh, like integrated into who I am. I want to walk the trail in the morning and see, oh, look, this is ready to harvest. We can do that with the Friday class or, mm-hmm. um, you know, take my food scraps out to this, the same place that we're building a compost bin and learning about how that works and the impact on the environment. And then, you know, realizing that an improvement would make it better or something like I wanted that to be fully integrated. So in 2020, I was able to move out there. At first, it was just kind of a needing a place to stay. But I did propose to the board of directors that makes those kind of decisions, having the forest school out there. And I was excited about the potential, but wasn't sure how they would take it, um, just because it was different enough from what they had done previously. But they were very excited about the ways that it met their mission. Before you moved out there, you had no plan as to, I mean, you had a plan, but you had no commitment to have as to how you were going to extend your stay as a as a person working on that project. Yeah, I had. So before I even thought to move out there or thought that I might, I had been trying to like every year I was just saving up money to buy property to run a forest school. And mm-hmm. I was going to live in it, just buy some tiny house and stick it on there, live in it and then have the forest school on the land. And I don't know what exactly, like how aware, if at all, I was of, well, if I moved to St. Francis, then that would be an option because um, it wasn't even necessarily something I was aware could happen. Um, I think it really needed the trigger of the pandemic to be like, everything's up in the air. Things could go any direction. Who knows what the future holds? Let's do something a little wild. Let's yeah. move an hour away and see if this retreat center would be willing to host a forest school. Um, because if they are, that's, that's really an ideal collaboration with a nonprofit. They've got artists and residents. They've got staff that can do maintenance tasks. They've got uh, the bandwidth to really make it everything that it could be. Um, so it was really beautiful that it. So now you are a an entity that exists on the land of St. Francis of the Woods. Are you considered part of the, the St. Francis of the Woods mission? or mm-hmm. So yeah. you've been totally incorporated into... But, I mean, yeah, just I, like the Prairie Restoration is a project of theirs and the church is a project of theirs. Uh, Prairie Wood Forest School is one of their projects. It's fully integrated. They give me a budget for deciding on, you know, what materials we're going to. We just got a new fishing net so we can go catch tadpoles when it's yeah. season and study them and release them. And um, it's all fully integrated in what they're already doing. I mean, I'm not like I shouldn't be surprised because like building these kinds of plans is what you've been doing for a while. Mm-hmm. But that's still really impressive that you were able to put together a plan. Because I, I managed a 501c3 for a while. I know that getting stuff done is not always easy. Yeah. And so your plan has to be pretty tight for them to all agree on making a decision like that and bringing somebody onto the land and letting them run an entire like arm of what they do. Like That's really cool. Yeah, yeah it, it, it felt meant to be, you know, because their yeah. mission is um, to help people or their vision, I think, is to help people uh, find community, connect with their own creativity, and then connect with creation. And of course, my program is secular, but creation, nature, whatever you want to call it, nature connection is kind of the big ticket item at Forest School. And then creativity, there's so much opportunity for students to harvest things and do natural plant dyeing, or our artist in residence helps them make their own charcoals from scratch. So we've got lots of arts going on. And then community just seems to become an inevitable part of Forest School, where like, you got to meet other parents when you would come to things. Um, people are kind of on the same page. They're sharing these outdoor experiences. And so that's really beautiful for community. But even outside it, even the parents who just drop their kids off for class, they're coming back on Wednesday nights for a potluck dinner or on the weekend when we have like a seasonal celebration or something like that. So it really does feed into all the different parts of their mission. But like, I, I had a question that you kind of already answered, but part of that question was saying that like 
not actively being a nature person, I can still say that watching you teach my kids in nature was one of the most enjoyable experiences I ever got to experience because you loved it so much and Mm -hmm. they loved doing it with you so Mm -hmm. much. It was such a, you know, like you said, reciprocal thing where you were, you were giving love and they were receiving love and they were loving it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I really appreciate getting to experience that. Even though I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to touch bugs. I don't <laughs> that, that is my specific memory about you at forest school. Is one day, I don't remember if it was all of them, but several of your kids were extremely muddy, yeah. and you were like, "This is why I bring them, so that you can take yes. care of that part of their lives." <laughs> I do not like. I'm not the mud parent. Kate is the mud parent, yeah. and I, I don't. I want them to play in mud because I know how exactly. like how many yeah. things happen when kids play in the mud. Sure. Like so many developments are happening in their brain and. I know how good it is, but watching it and seeing how dirty, like, I'm like, nope, no, please don't make me clean that up. I can't. <laughs> it's like the takes a village thing, right? Like there's yes. people who have their different skills. My kids have taken music lessons from people who have, who have that skill. Like it's really beautiful to see everyone's thing come together. And if my thing is like letting their kids touch bugs and get dirty, I'm totally good with that being like, like my I'm legacy. <laughs> wow. That's, I, I like, I love that about you. It's so awesome. So, since the topic, you can, you know, you can talk about some people who don't want to talk about it, but I knew you first with your husband. What happened with that process? Because it seemed like it kind of lined up with you moving out to how much of going far away from Oklahoma City had to do with restarting your life after your marriage? Sure. Um, mostly coincidence um, or, or maybe a better true thing to say about it is that I think COVID gave opportunity for both of these things that needed to happen. Like I was supposed to end up out in the woods living where I was running forest school and COVID made the opportunity for that. And then in that relationship, things were heading towards where we were healthier apart than together, but it took COVID to be like, yeah, this is the thing that's going to happen. So um, when I moved to St. Francis, initially, I just needed a place to stay while I figured out what was next. I didn't go into it with the expectation that living at St. Francis was what was next. Right. Um, that's kind of a like beautiful detour that intersected there, but it wasn't like planned out or, oh, here's a way I can get out of this relationship or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did work out nicely in both of those directions. One of my favorite quotes is, life is what happens while you're making plans. Mm-hmm. Like, you were trying so to figure out what's true. next and yeah. like, everything was falling into place <laughs> right. for you to be exactly where you needed to be. And that's yeah. so thankful for you for that. So can you do me a favor and tell me in explicit detail about your grounding time in the woods? So when I say that, I mean, like, walk me from the moment you decide that you're going to go out and get get some grounding time all the way through completion. Like, no details too small. Okay. So I'll just pick the most recent time so I give true details. Um, I move very slowly. <laughs> it's funny, actually, if I go hiking with people that are going hiking, I have to remember, like, oh as outdoorsy as I am, hiking means like making progress at some pace that is not mine. Um, Even like walking out of my door, because now I do have the woods right outside my door. And so I'm usually able to just walk there. But it's very slow. I walk out my door and I think, do I want to go east, uh, up up the hill where I can see the neighbor's cows? Like, let me take you back even further. Yeah, yeah. How do you decide what you're going to wear for grounding Ah, time? Yeah. Put on shoes? Do you go barefoot? Like, I like I really want to get into it. Yeah. Um, 
Thankfully, it's pretty standardized, so it doesn't take a lot of thinking. I'm always going to wear long pants just because we do have poison ivy and ticks and even mm -hmm. venomous snakes. Um, I'm going to wear socks even though I don't like to and um, tuck my, you know, have things tucked in so that I don't have tick pads to my skin. Um, probably going to take off the shoes and be barefoot once I arrive wherever I feel like I need to try that. And I've, you know, scooped out the area and ensured there weren't any hazards there. But for the actual, like, I need some time in the woods, I'm going to wear. Yeah, some hiking pants and, and wool socks and my, my ankle boots. They're, they're barefoot shoes, but they're not the fancy expensive sole that technically right. allows grounding from a whatever perspective. Because um, I'll just take them off. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and then I do like to wear a wool shirt just because it um, helps the temperature regulation, which is really important in Oklahoma. I'm, I, I much prefer cold weather than hot weather, but you know, Oklahoma, 100 degrees for a week, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, or for more than a week sometimes, and so uh, that just helps you, like, not get overheated or whatever, and I usually braid my hair as a further precaution against ticks. Um, I hate wearing a hat. I usually don't. I should, but I usually don't. Um, I'm always just a little pink from the sun. <laughs> um, yeah, and I try and grab like some energetic, you know, a granola bar or something, or if I've made like little energy bites, something that'll give energy without adding a lot of weight. I have this hip pack that I wear, whether I'm going grocery shopping or into the woods, and it's always got a lighter and a little bit of jute line in case, you know, it got dangerous or I was in some situation where I needed a fire or something. And then um, just a, like a multi-tool pocket knife um, and a bottle of water. Oops, sorry, that's lots of water on me. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I can grab those things pretty quickly and just head out the door and feel into where it is that I'm going to go. Um, maybe I checked the weather first and thought to bring a rain jacket. Probably not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I'm taking students in the woods, I'm very prepared in all of right. those areas. And if it's just me, like in the moment, I'm not at all prepared. I'm more like going to rough it, whatever I find. Yeah. Um, I'd rather like find a little cave to hide in or something like that. So um, my favorite place to head from my house, if I go west, like straight into where the sunset would be, there's a little pond. And if I go over a hill beyond that, I can go up to the stream that is spring fed. So that's another beautiful thing you don't always have in Oklahoma, it's like flowing water and springs and things like that. And I love the sound of it. Uh, yeah, I really like to just, oh, wherever I'm going, I'm going to lay down. That's my thing. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to ground somewhere or if I just, I'm having a stressful day and can't handle another minute on my computer or whatever it looks like that is leading me to want to head out into the woods. What I'm wanting to do is not to like take a long walk usually, but to walk until I find the spot where I'm going to lay down and I'm going to come back with pine needles in my hair and dirt all over my clothes and stuff. But like, that's, that's really what I'm going for. Um, and I just try and move slowly enough that I only move when I know. Maybe it's like my best practice of authenticity, really, because it's moving only at the pace that I actually know that's what I'm what I want. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm not trying to manipulate the experience in some way of thinking, oh, my friend was going to be staying in that cabin. If I walk that way, I might run into her. Like, maybe that's what it needs to happen. And maybe I need the time to myself. And, and I don't need to know that. I just need to know. Yeah, no, I actually wanted to head down this trail, but it was the other way. That's where I'm feeling like cold or whatever. And so just following those until I get there um, when I, you know, and so I might walk half an hour, I might walk an hour, I might walk five minutes. And whenever I get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I think I want to stop here, um, I do. I teach the kids to check east, south, west, and north. So you kind of go in a circle looking at the ground to make sure you're not about to 
sit on something hazardous or um, disturbed ground that, you know, can't handle that or something like that. Make sure you have a sacred space. And I sit down and take off my shoes and get my feet on the earth. And sometimes, usually I'm going to like lay back from there and really like the way that trees look with the sky filtering from behind them. Um, so a lot of times I just kind of look at that for a while. I don't really try and say a prayer or, you know, do a meditation or anything other than just being fully present in that moment and whatever it is. Uh, I often hear animals around me, especially the longer I lie down. And I've had deer and gray fox get relatively close to me, but not that's not like a goal. You know, I don't yeah. try and, and get a certain thing to happen. I mean, I definitely have that. I'm like, I think most humans at this point in time are probably this way. I definitely have the part of my brain that's like, oh, that would make a great Instagram picture. You know, like, yeah. why don't I shift over this way? But I just try and listen to like, is that actually what? I'm wanting right now, probably not. Probably if I want to do anything other than just sit there, it's going to be, I have this little tiny notebook that goes everywhere with me and I might like write a poem about you know, my experience in that moment. Do you take your phone? I often have, if I bring it, I usually put it on do not disturb. Um, so if I'm heading out by myself and no one would hear if I called, then I'll probably take it kind of for my kids sake, you know, yeah. like for safety or whatever, but I prefer to not have it or like not remember that I have it <laughs> so it's a it's a practice of total observance like it's not about trying to manipulate or force anything it's about listening to your body mm-hmm. and then when you get there still listening to your body but listening to the sounds of the woods like mm-hmm. my first thought is like oh that'd be a great experience to listen to music do like right. that's I, I love listening to music while I do things but I'm also very unconnected to nature mm-hmm. so thinking about that it's like maybe you should listen to nature a little bit more but for you it's it's much more about just listening to what's happening and just taking it in and not trying to create anything from it yeah and sometimes I will sing like making up kind of the way you would sing to a three-year-old you know like what you're seeing and stuff and one of the most magical moments I do have a little pocket bike because I play flute but I have a little one you can bring camping it's like plastic and nine dollars you know it's not a big deal to have in the woods and one time I was, I did head up towards the sunset up on this hill behind where I live. And um, the we, we mow it for hay. It's like not sprayed and stuff. So that way, if the surrounding farms are using that hay, you know, there's less like pesticides in the groundwater and everything. And anyway, I was up there and just kind of felt inspired by maybe the clouds or something. And so I pull out my fife and I start to play. And a little, I think like a deer mouse came out. Like I'm like... <laughs> like came out of the tall grass to the clearing where I was and just stood on its back legs and watched me play for a little bit and then ran on (laughs) just like about to fall over I'm so amazed you know it was such a magical like like it blessed me with its presence and it seemed like it enjoyed the music but how on earth would it care or no or you know it was this funny little moment so those are special but I I try not to set out with the intention or even or like any expectation or hope that some magical thing is going to happen because that's one in 50 times that something that's especially like oh my gosh I'm going to tell that story happens most of the time it's for me to not be in that part of my brain and just like just breathe and I will like put one hand on my chest and one hand on my stomach and especially if I headed out because I was really stressed or overwhelmed with something it's a good chance for me to just take a deep breath what am I feeling and it may be the first time that whole day that I've been able to realize oh I'm grieving like my mom died two years ago and it'll hit me at the most random moments and I'm not even aware that's what's going on for me maybe I'm getting like 
of like having a hard time and just some normal interaction with my kids or something or getting really concerned about a work situation that maybe isn't even that big of a deal, but it feels like it's really scary or something. And then I head out into the woods and ground and ask myself and I'm like, oh, it was my mom's birthday would have been this week. I'm, I'm grieving that. And I needed that much slowing down and disconnection from all the distractions in order to just realize like, what's going on for me now that I know that I can move back into whatever else today requires without um, this this blockage that's it's really amazing like you know i like i said i don't like being outside but i still like the experience sounds really nice mm -hmm. like so you walk up to an hour maybe a little bit more how long do you usually spend in the time grounding so i found that 30 minutes is kind of magical as far as if it's less than that there's just a different experience that happens once it's been 30 minutes i'm probably going to spend the first 20 minutes with my mind like I need to do that and I'm behind on that and did they mean this when they said that and what am I going to do about the situation like and every time I have that thought I'm trying to come back to like I'm just breathing right now or let's just look at that leaf blowing in the wind or whatever it is but it takes at least 20 minutes to switch to that being the default instead of the coming up with new things to worry about or whatever yeah. or stress about. And so if I can extend it to like that 30 minutes, that's also a point for wild animals where they're like, eh, like you're good. Yeah. <laughs> We're not too worried. And so that's when the birds are going to come and perch on the branch, like really close to my vision, or I'm going to hear like a little stirring in the woods and have that kind of magical, oh, I wonder who's out there. And yeah. um, so I like it to be at least that long. I love to like fall asleep and it's a whole thing, but you know, I'm a parent at work. Like <laughs> I can't always carve out three hours to just yeah. go nap in the woods like I would love to um but yeah I I think my preference honestly is to walk for only like 10 minutes and then have 30 45 minutes an hour to just lay there and experience it and then walk back um which is nice where I live because in most settings you're spending at least that much time just driving to make this happen um and I do think it's a thing you can you can have like your favorite little corner in your backyard where maybe you grow some tall stuff around it so you're kind of cozy in there or you know, for some people, it's like a blanket fort on their bed or whatever. Yeah. I don't think it has to be outside, but it does have a, a magical piece for me that is a little different than other options. That sounds amazing. So what is the walk back like? Are you still trying to take it slow as you're walking back? Or... On the walk back, I'm almost always like kind of excited. Like it's like I just refueled and I'm probably moving a little quicker. I'm just not thinking that much. I'm just kind mm -hmm. of like, like I am here and... I'm probably smiling to myself a little bit because I feel better about all the things that sent me into the woods worried about. And it's not like I come up with solutions or anything. It's just like, you know, it's going to be okay. Like if I can just lay in the woods for 20 minutes, even like if I can have that moment in my life ever, everything else is going to be fine yeah. if I can feel like this. And so I feel like I have like a spring in my step, you know, or like I'll skip like a little kid sometimes when I'm heading back. Um, I hadn't really thought about it until you asked that though, but I was like flushing through the last dozen times I've done it. And I feel like I always, if someone was home to see me come back, they'd be like, did you just win something? Like what's going on? <laughs> so it's, it's the fact that you've been kind of pulled back into yourself mm. and really actually aligning your thoughts with well, I mean, really, the reality of your place in the world is that all these things that felt so big yeah. before you had time to really like release them or just 
you know, not even release them, just like understand that they're it's not that big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's remembering I belong here, the earth wants me here, and I can feel safe here. Even if everything going on in my life at that point feels insecure and unstable and I have no certainty about anything, you know, finances or work stuff or like whatever that looks like. If I can have those moments of remembering like and all of that can go like the worst way that my worst fear, you know, imagines it. And I will still be a part of this earth and I can still hug a tree. So I'll be okay. <laughs> the confidence in which, with, with which you say that is really impressive because like the first thing I think is tree hugger. Like, but then I'm like, yeah, that's not really a, like, it's not a, a diss. Like you think yeah. it is like thinking of somebody who hugs a tree, like I think of you and I'm like, honestly, like that's a great thing to, to be called. Like I, I would love to be called a great person who is in, like, in touch with nature. It's mm-hmm. not like you're, you know, trying to, I don't know, be really extreme and fight the system all the time. You're just trying to like align your life with nature. And that's like, I think a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, jealous to a degree, but mm-hmm. like, also I could try harder. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> people so. often ask me if i'm ever going to offer horse school for adults and i'm like take one of these days that's going to happen i, I think i <laughs> the needs I, there i'm pretty sure that would be a pretty big hit just because you like you are such a calming person like and just the idea of you helping people like me kind of feel comfortable in that space sounds appealing so yeah. i i would I'm not going to say i'd go but i would think about it like, <laughs> yeah I think that sounds interesting. So I swing personally wildly back and forth between absolutely loving the sound of children talking to slamming my headphones like one to drown out any seemingly childish noise. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's my ADHD, like overstimulation, but you call listening to children a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to, to listen to children as a spiritual practice? Yeah, it is. It has so many parallels with what we just talked about, about grounding time in nature for me, because, you know, there is no controlling children, right? Like the things they say, the things they come up with, the stories they tell. Like when I sit next to a child who wants attention for, you know, in whatever way I can tell their body language or their words, they're just wanting to be listened to. I have no idea if I'm going to get this very amusing anecdote out of what they share or this really sweet thing, or if they're going to share something very hard and like heartfelt vulnerability coming from them. But it also is always this magical moment of hearing something that I needed to hear. So like I'm learning from them and the, at its very basis, A lot of times it's just they noticed something in nature that was very small that I would have walked right past unless I was like in a grounding moment where I'm looking at the ground. Um, You know, it could be a broken like half fragment of a nail shell and I'm not Instagramming that, right? That's not the thing that caused me pause and thought it was so beautiful or whatever, but they just love it and oh, look at the spiral and I wonder who lived in here they slow down and and especially like the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds and the four-year-olds they think it's all magical they see that it's all magical Mm -hmm. i think is what it is you know like they see the world for the way it is they don't have all this weight of what i'm carrying around worrying about and how am i going to afford this or that or whatever they're just present to their like not just to that day but like to that exact moment that they found this little thing or they hand me this like completely bug-eaten leaf that 
you know, no one would take a picture of it and think there was something special about it, but they just loved it. Maybe it fell awesome between their fingers, or maybe it's one that landed on them straight out of the tree. It's never touched the ground before, but it touched them. Like, how magical is that? And so I think I just learned, I learned to embrace joy, like to not have to have everything just right to enjoy something. They enjoy all of it. Um, But even the older kids, because there's a really special phase, again, I think that happens with like nine to 12 year olds where they're trying to figure out who they are and what they love and how they want to show up in the world, how how they're kind of going to present themselves in their peer groups. Because at those ages, I think those two things are the same, like who am I and how am I going to come across to my friends? Yeah. And I think like mainstream media tends to portray that time in life as a lot of masking and a lot of putting on something else. But I don't know that it's a bad thing. I don't know that they're trying to be fake or trying, you know, of course there's the trying to fit in. We all want to belong, but I think they're just trying out a lot of different things. Am I into nature? Am I into bugs? Am I into birds? Am I into video games? Am I going to complain all class long that there's no video games? Like some kids just need a day like that. And I don't know what they're expecting to be met with. It just depends on other experiences they've had with adults. But when instead of being like, shut up we don't we're you know we're at forest school we're unplugged here if i'm like wow that sounds like a cool game tell me about it or whatever and i just give them the space to be heard there's this beautiful moment of realizing like this is how the world is going to recover from all the like hurtful and hard things that we've got going on is just listening to other people and it's not to say that i don't ever think I'm so done with hearing about Pokemon after three hours of hearing about Pokemon. Um, but some, maybe there's a lesson for me in that too. Yes, I, I definitely understand that feeling of having heard, you know, all the, well, yeah, no, I'm not going to go into that. But I know We've all felt that, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love, I, I love your ability to learn from all these different situations. You're learning from nature, you're learning from the children, you're learning from the other adults you work with. And there's no, like, I don't know, I don't feel like there's any pretense. You, mm-hmm. you take all that information in the same and you, you know, you mull it over and you either apply it or don't. It's just, like, it's all information that is all equal. Uh, is, that, is that correct? Am I, like? Yeah, I mean, maybe to too strong of a degree. I think one of the things that, that can be my struggle, my growth point in this type of thing, is that balance between taking that in and holding to myself and so I I mean I I was in college when I noticed like everything I read I was like this is it this is the truth like this is so you know because if I identified with any tiny little piece of it or saw any little nugget of truth I wanted to embrace it and take it in and I I think that that's a gift that I have in the world that I'm able to you know I hear a two-year-old say something and it's meaningful to me Mm -hmm. or I, I read you know, a kid's book that I'm just reading to them at nighttime and, oh, I've got to write that in my quote book. That was so meaningful or whatever. But there can be the degree or like the point at which I'm taking it all in uh, without discernment around like, what is it though? You know, and I I think I read a lot partially for that reason. So I have a lot of different experiences. I want to, you know, I feel like I've mentioned Instagram like four times today, but like I follow a lot of like psychologists on Instagram and like betrayal recovery groups and like different things where I'm getting information from different perspectives so that I can realize like, okay, just because I read this and it meant something to me, it could actually be harmful to someone who had a different life experience that I did. And so Mm -hmm. I need to learn these things too, so that I can apply that level of discernment and wisdom um, so that I'm not 
just taking everything without any kind of consideration. Um, I have to remember that like mother animals in nature, they don't just like let their babies scratch them in the eye, right? They bite them in the ear or something. Yeah. And like, you know, you know, humans, we have different ways that we can set boundaries, but those are still important, whether it's like my own boundaries around my time or the things my kids are allowed to say to me or something like that, or whether it's like, well, I really appreciate this one poem that this author wrote, but they also said these really harmful things about people. Yeah. And so I'm actually not going to continue to choose that as a person I'm learning from. Right, so it makes total sense. And I'm not going to say that I'm great at that. Like, I'm I'm generally pretty much the one who's like, I learned this, I like this. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. And like, I will continue to learn. And I try to, I try to let myself be shaped by, you know, I've recently gotten much more into saying that I'm being shaped by other people's opinions. Not that I'm going to change for other yeah. people's opinions, but I'm going to, I'm going to take that thing in and, and decide if it's something that does reflect me. And if it doesn't, I'm going to let that experience, you know, kind of guide how I move in dealing with that person in the future. Because if they, if that was their perception, then there, there's some feedback somewhere in that mm -hmm. communication model that I'd like to remove so they actually are able to see who I am. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a fairly new thing. I'm still working it out, but I, I do, I like the the option to just try to learn from all the different stuff I take in mm -hmm. and take in more. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, just like our rule at Prairiewood is to practice kindness. I think authenticity has to be recognized as a practice. Absolutely. It's not like, am I authentic or am I not authentic? Mm -hmm. There's so much in between inauthenticity and authenticity, even of just like, just here, you know, just mm -hmm. like doing the thing, whatever. And, um, and having that practice of incorporating more authenticity in your life or having one more authentic conversation this week, you know, one more time that someone says, how are you giving an authentic answer yeah. or whatever that looks like? It's just a practice we're growing into. Yeah, I, I've definitely tried to work away from saying things like are you authentic to mm. are you being authentic are you loving your authentic self yeah. are you are you interacting are you leading with authenticity things that are actions that are constantly evolving yeah. you know because you can be the most authentic leader for six months straight and then something happens yeah. and you stop doing that it's, you know you have to continually be checking in on yourself and like you said you know taking the time to like look at are you actually existing with your values? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I encourage that for everyone. It, it sounds like grounding is a good way for you yeah. to get back to that. And for me, it's the show. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really lucky for this opportunity to talk about all these things that run through my head all the time with really, you know, diverse and interesting people who have different views on it that sometimes challenge that and, you know, kind of help me either strengthen my view or to, you know, evolve it in some way. And like, oh, I hadn't really thought about that part. And I appreciate the experience so much. So I was like, thank you for being part of it yeah. today. I've loved it so far. Yeah. So we're going to start to wrap things up because we've already gotten almost towards an hour and a half. And I want to respect your time. I don't know what you've got going on today, but um, gosh, I don't want to ask. So what are you working on right now? Like, are you developing anything new? We kind of talked about some of the things that you do at St. Francis of the Woods, but like, is there anything right now that you're working on that you'd like to talk more about? Yeah, my current project is I'm trying to develop something for nine to 15 year olds. Um, 
haven't talked about it much, so I don't know if I have great words for it, but, um, you know, if you're in scouts or there's different programs where you're like working toward learning a certain skill, maybe you want to get your knife safety skills, or you want to learn whittling, or you want to learn how to build a fire or something, but there's all these steps that need to happen along the way to get you to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, we already do a lot of the students deciding what challenges they want to accomplish or what skills they want to create, but I'd like it to be a process for them that's a little more reflective, maybe um, give them a chance. To, so they're already like owning their learning opportunities, but for them to be a little more aware of that. So I'm trying to put together um, all the different things that kids tend to want to do it for a school once they're starting to make those requests. You know, oh, we want, whether it's, I mean, the most common request I get is the kids want to make lemonade. <laughs> it's like every kid has heard that it wants, you know, that we have made lemonade at forest school and so they want to do that. But it really turns into this whole experience of they learn how to hold the knife. They learn how to keep the knife safe when you're out in the wilderness and making sure that someone else doesn't come across it in a hurtful way. And then they're learning math and measurements of figuring out how much sugar we want to go in there or something. So whether it's that or it is a bigger thing like, you know, forage mushrooms and cook them over an open fire or something, I'd like to break that down into pieces where it's accessible to them to decide, you know, I want to do this, but in order to get myself to that point, I need to learn this skill. I think it's so valuable for them to learn how to be learners mm -hmm. and also to learn because, like I said, we already do this kind of for the week to week. Oh, we want to build a birdhouse or this or that, but those bigger things that kids get excited about, but then maybe fizzle out before they get to the end. Forest school really provides kids with an opportunity to extend their own like sense of resilience and endurance and perseverance at something. And so I'd like to have, I don't know, like I imagine almost like a little passport book or whatever. And they turn to the page that's like, I want to cook the thing over the fire. And they say, okay, to get to that point, um, I'm going to ask if I can learn how to light a fire without a lighter or, you know, use a flint and steel or whatever, or like the stepping stones along that. Um, so that they get the sense, not only have I planned it and I, I learned the steps to get there, but I know how to know what I want to do and then how to get myself to that point. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm incorporating it with like art and nature journaling. Like I imagine the end result rather than being like earning badges. We don't do a lot of like rewards-based system in forest school because we do want it to be really intrinsic motivation um, but instead you end up with this book that's almost like your own nature journal of your wilderness experiences and skills yeah. where you drew or you took pictures and you collaged it together and wrote a few words and you check marked off what date I you know first successfully lit a match for 20 full seconds like held a lit match for 20 full seconds or whatever um because then it gets to intersect oh, i'm scared of fire but i learned this or oh, i don't know how to do this or whatever it is um so do you think it, that'll be like a situation where you give you know here's 40 of the things that that i could offer and then they get to like you know put together a program based off of that or are you expecting them to completely start from scratch and kind of yeah, what I've done so far is taken all the things that we've already done or that they've already requested to do and making uh, like a little page for that. And then I think during the rest of this year, every time they come up with something, I'll do the same thing. So like if it is make lemonade, just list out what supplies we need and what ingredients we need and what the proportions are or whatever, mm -hmm. and then let them figure out, okay, we need to learn the knife and everything. Um, but 
uh, I can see it growing past that. I definitely want to have, you know, like totally blank pages where it's like design your own challenge so that it can keep growing and evolving. I don't yeah. expect it to ever be stagnant. I was thinking we pick five native mammals and you're like working your way up. Um, we decided to put them in order of stealthiness because that's another good nature skill. You're not going to see birds if you're stomping through the forest noisily, you know? And so start out with like something you see pretty commonly, like a squirrel or a deer or something and have a little booklet for those skills. And then you like level up to the next animal. Did they decide that categorization? Um, yeah, yeah. My, my two did. (laughs) I I love the way that kids like categorize things. They think so differently than us, you know? I mean, not all of us, but like usually we're used to certain categories being like, right. well, yeah, we're going to go with, you know, size or, exactly. you know, the different kinds of, like, are they feline or whatever? Mm-hmm. And they're just like stealthy. Yeah. Like, yes. That's so much <laughs> this better. is the wilderness goal. <laughs> yes, this is so much better. I love that. So cool. So is there any part of your connection to your like existence in nature that you feel like, if you could bottle it and give it to somebody else, would apply to many other aspects in life, like mm-hmm. any tips or like life hacks that you would say. Like the one that I can definitely take from what you've said so far is like slow down. Yeah. Like slowing down seems to provide a lot of different kinds of clarity for you. And I think it would for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Uh, the one that I mentioned of before you sit down in the wilderness first looking east and south and west and north and seeing what's there and what that might mean for you as far as learning to pick somewhere else to be. I keep coming back to that as maybe a broader symbolic kind of lesson for my life right now before I anchor into, you know, a relationship or a job or a, you know, a specific project or something. There's always so many opportunities, so many things that we can do with our time that might be in alignment with our values and our passions. And so in that way, they're authentic. But if you really just like sit in the space of whatever that is, you're reading the proposal that someone sent you, or you're um, sitting in the parking lot outside of the thing you got invited to that you hadn't really thought about, do I even want to be here or something? And just kind of like looking at it from all those different angles and seeing is there something here that lets me know this really is for me? Or is there maybe something kind of pokey over here? And I don't know that this is actually where I'm ready to be right now. I'm going to, you know, shift somewhere else. I feel like it can be, or it's becoming for me a practice that isn't just about not getting bit by a venomous thing. No, I, I think you understood the assignment and you like really, really like provided a great answer there. And, you know, my, my addition to that would be like, and do that authentically. So yeah. don't like, I've talked about on the show many times that my ability to lie to myself was like right. really uncanny for a long time. So it's like, you know, I don't think I want to go into this thing because mm-hmm. really, I don't think that these are my kinds of people. And that was, that's not true. Yeah. It would be more like, I'm, I'm afraid to show myself to this group sure. of people because they may not accept it. And to me, I don't want to act out of fear. Mm-hmm. So I would just, I would just lie to myself and say, I'm not afraid. I just don't like them. And yeah. So, like, I would say, yeah, look north, south, east, or, or east. What's the correct order? <laughs> I do east, south, west, north, but that's its whole <laughs> category of why yeah, I do east, it that south, way. <laughs> west, and north, and ask yourself, like, am I being honest about yeah. the things I see and the things that I'm saying are dangerous? Like, really yeah. analyze those things. And I think that would be an absolutely really great piece of advice that's that's perfect clarification too it's not like i'm settling on a really comfortable spot right i don't randomly find all these places where i'm really comfortable like the ground's Mm -hmm. either hard or it's wet or the tree bark is scratchy but if i'm supposed to be there 
that does that discomfort doesn't mean it's not the right thing so your example of going somewhere and kind of backing out of it out of a inauthenticity and telling your own self why you don't want to be there Mm -hmm. could it be that it's just not a really comfortable spot but it's actually the right spot those are different things they say that that, that this growth is where there are the discomfort is where that growth happens yeah now sitting in a really uncomfortable spot unnecessarily maybe is is not extra growth but (laughs) yeah if you shift a little bit is the ground softer cool but are you just like talking yourself out of something that's really meant for you because you don't want it everything about it I love that. That was really good. I'm glad I asked that question. I think that was like way out, way outperformed my expectations of the question when I wrote it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Pat myself in the back. So let's talk a little bit more about your services that you offer as a nature educator, herbalist, whatever else. Like for as long as you need, this is your platform to talk about all the things. Because I trust you. I think that you are a fantastic person with like a great healing energy that deserves to be given out into the world. So anything that you want to share? Yeah, that'd be great to have people join for some of the things that we do um, on a weekly basis. Of course, I have forest school, Prairie Wood Forest School meets at St. Francis of the Woods on Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays right now. We have different classes based on ages and based on like homeschool co-op versus facilitator, facilitated (laughs) um, classes. That are more like wilderness experiences or then we have the group that's more naturey or nature sensory play for younger kids so a lot of different options there but all of our other things that we offer are just open to the public anyone can come we have seasonal events martinmas is coming up and it's my favorite one so every november we get together and it's a chance to really celebrate the way that being in community with other people allows us to get through the harder parts of our lives um so the the symbolism is that we light lanterns go into the woods after dark once the time has changed and it's you know that time of the year where the days are getting shorter anyway and so sometimes that can feel hard it can feel like everything's really cold around me and everything's really dark and I just can't see my way through and so to remind us that we don't have to we can look around and you know if there's 30 of us and we all have lanterns lit that's going to help us see our way on the trail but that's like a real good um, symbol for what what that looks like in our life, you know, joining together with other people and, and just seeing the light within each other. We do a coat drive as part of it to bring that warmth in a really practical way. And so you bring, you know, uh, gently used coats or boots or mittens or hats or, you know, whatever, um, some nice clean socks or something, and we'll donate that to a shelter. And so it really gives kids and adults the opportunity to see that we can transform this world and we can take the parts of of being human that are harder and do something about it to make it a little bit brighter and warmer. Um, I also facilitate a group called Woods Women. And um, once a month, we have someone who's a member of it just share whatever's their exciting thing. Because I think I'm like you and that I really like to see other people doing their thing and like lighting up with what they love to do, what they're passionate about. And so like this month, someone's coming in and leading a yoga experience. And last time we had someone who also had worked at a forest school and she did um, we did fairy house making for grownups, you know, um, so we have a group for that where people can join, um, we, whether through our website, stfrancisofthewoods.org, or our social media accounts, we're always posting upcoming things, and uh, I think those are the most, like, consistent ones, but we'll have other events, do farm-to-table dinners and wildcrafting classes, especially in the summer, we tend to offer more, like, one-off, you can just come and sign up and do a Take it from garden harvesting all the way to the thing that we taste and eat or same thing with wildcrafting or music or creative arts um, where our artist in residence helps people uh, make their own art supplies and then 
walk through nature and find something and I, I'm just kind of facilitating the forceful feel of the entire experience but we've got all these other people um we have our, our beekeeper and he'll do some stuff where you get to come and harvest the honey and see the inside of the hive and everything so it's pretty cool very cool I love it that's awesome so if you could look into the future how far into the future would you be happy to look and still see yourself doing the same things you are right now mm. Yeah, I mean, like, as long as I'm super mobile, <laughs> it does require a lot, you know, I'm doing yeah. a lot of hauling supplies on my back into the woods and stuff. And so I I wonder if at some point in my life, I'll need to shift to more training others on how to do it. I do really enjoy when I've gotten to be in a training role of teaching other teachers how to take their classes outside or teaching other people how to start a forest school or something like that. Um, but my grandma's 81 and she still like works and does everything. So I'm like, maybe that's going to be me too. And I'll be like 90 out in the woods with a bunch of two year olds, just loving it. <laughs> that sounds really beautiful. So as long as you're physically able, yeah. you'd love to keep doing what you're doing. Like that to me is like the sign of you found a passion that you really enjoy exploring. And that's like, that is, I don't know, probably the highest hope I could have for any, yeah. any friend of mine is like, you're, you're living your passion. So that's really awesome. So finally, where does Lorianne live online and where can people find out more about who you are, what you do, and like get connected with you if they're interested? Yeah, uh, I mostly post on Instagram. It's <laughs> at Wildernet. It yeah. Uh, so it's spelled like wild, my last name, W-I-L-D-E, and then R-N-E-D-G-E. Um, so Wildernet, it's the idea of I'm meeting people at the edges of their current comfort oh. level at the will, you know, where the wilderness yeah. meets, because um, that's why where the most biodiversity thrives. And that's where I think students and other people really find transformation. And you actually touched on that earlier about kind of getting people to the edge of their comfort. So that's me. Um, St. Francis of the Woods is where everything else would be hosted. Uh, that's their Facebook name and their Instagram name. And the website for Prairie Wood Forest School is just stfrancisofthewoods.org slash school. And it links to all of our different accounts and classes and upcoming events and calendars. We'll make sure to put all those uh, links in the show notes so oh. it's easy for people to find. Because I think it's a great service. I was really devastated whenever you took uh, while Wild wanderers from yep. <laughs> from you know ten minutes from our house to right. like fifty minutes from our house. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's not so convenient anymore. That's but idea. but I, I, for the experience itself, I think it sounds really amazing for the kids who are getting to participate. And like you know, I know that one of our mutual friends has a son doing it, and he seems to really love that. So yeah, I think you're doing great work. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you'd like to share more on? But I can think of. I think it was a pretty good talk. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So <clears throat> thank you, Lori Ann, again, for the effect you've had in my life and for the great work that you're doing out in the world and for the world. So thank you for all that. And thank you for being such a great guest and being vulnerable in our conversation today. I truly appreciate you. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review. I really appreciate the feedback and it helps me get heard by more listeners. Follow this podcast so you get updates about new episodes and live streams. If you are interested in bonus or behind-the-scenes content, go check out the Authentic on Air with Bruce Alexander Patreon page and share this episode with somebody you think would love it right now. You can check out earlier episodes to support the future creation of great content, and don't forget to like at Authentic Identity Management on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and LinkedIn. You can also head over to the Authentic Bruce YouTube channel for podcast video and impactful clips from my conversations with these amazing guests. Finally, if you are struggling to show up as yourself in your content, your work, your family, or your life, I would love to help you. 
Authentic Identity Management does authenticity and identity coaching to help you align your true self with the identity you share with the world. It's exhausting to live someone else's life. Live authentically and access the potential that belongs only to you. You can contact me on social or email bruce at authenticidentitymanagement.com to set up a free 30-minute consultation. That is it for today's wild episode with Lorianne Wild. So until next time, thank you for listening. Be yourself and love yourself. Bye for now.